eagerness to contribute. They're just waiting for people to be catalysts for how. And so I'd really encourage, like, if you're listening and you feel like you've got that little bubble in you of maybe I could catalyse something, like, don't wait until you have got to third year or don't wait till you feel more established in your role at your workplace. Like, crack on. Hello everyone, welcome to this episode of the podcast. We're recording in a great space in a church hall, so it's a bit echoey, there's some background noise, but we wanted to share a conversation with you. My name is Dan, I'm here with Dot Tyler. Hello. James Pickin. Hello. And Chuma Gonway. Hello. And we're going to be talking about new beginnings, so maybe you're a fresher, maybe you survived the first six weeks, congratulations to you. Maybe you're moving to a new town or city to start a new job. Maybe you've graduated and you're wondering what your new beginning should be. We're gonna talk about how we set a rhythm that can help us in our everyday to make the most of the situation that we're in, but also help us to make an impact on people living in poverty and people living around the world. Guys, this is our first podcast. Hey. <laughs> hey, Dot's excited. How scared are you of hearing your voice back when we listen to this afterwards? I am very scared, only because I once went on some vocal training this one time, um, and uh, and I was talking, and the woman who was the vocal trainer stopped me mid-stop and goes, um, is that your real voice? And I, was like, <laughs> and I was like, no, no, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got a little bit of a cold. No, 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 that's not your real voice. And she literally, in front of everyone, made me sing a song. And then I had to then try and speak where my uh, where I was singing. It was literally the most embarrassing thing. But yeah, I don't really like my voice. What did you sing? Uh, I can't even remember. I was absolutely... Not today. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the thing that I always think about when I'm listening back to myself is I grew up in Manchester, right? Like, proper northern accent. Spent a few years in London, now live in Cardiff. What accent is this? (laughs) No accent, nothing. Totally bland. I need to say boss. And then I feel a bit more Manchester. Well, it's funny, because when you just mention Manchester, your kind of northern accent comes out from those three words (laughs) and then disappears again. Oh, yeah, I've got a non-accent now. (laughs) Yeah, I'm the same as Doc. Is I grew up in Swansea, went to uni in Cardiff, and I moved to London three weeks ago. So that doesn't explain it either. So, yeah, I don't like listening. It's not to even it. like a tiny Welsh tint in your voice. No, no, no. Like there's nothing. I, I am basically Welsh. Well, basically, yeah. <laughs> You're hiding it very well. Yeah. Hey, no need to hide being Welsh yeah. too much. Well. I just realised I said that with two Welsh people here. Uh, guys, so. Um, Thinking back to your student life, what was the biggest lesson? Were there any disasters you had in like the first term? So, for example, I remember arriving at university, the, the classic one, not knowing how to cook. And so I thought spaghetti bolognese, really easy. So I put the mince in. But, you know, in a packet of mince, there's like a layer of paper. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, I didn't, I don't know why, but I didn't really, I just like put it all in with this paper. And then, like, it all started to get mixed together. And there's like shards of paper in there and like it all congealed into one like big mess. <laughs> But for some reason, in my naivety, I didn't really know that that was a bad thing. So, like, I served this spaghetti bolognese with tons of paper in it, and all my housemates were just like, who is this guy? What an idiot. Um, and so they're just picking bits of paper out of the spaghetti bolognese. So that's quite a mild one, like, but I, I look back on that and think, how stupid. <laughs> I remember, um, like, first day, and um, I just met one of my flatmates, she's called Rachel, and she turns to me and she goes... I don't really know where to put this in the kitchen. It's a can of beans, like unopened can of beans. I was like, 
are you serious? You don't know where to put beans? At this point, I'm feeling like I am the don of the kitchen. I know where to put beans. You're fine, put it in the cupboard. A week later, I've made a tuna pasta bake. Delicious. Delicious. The place not to put a pasta bake when you've got leftovers is on top of the fridge and then forget that you put it there. Oh my gosh, our kitchen stank of tuna. <laughs> for a re- but for a really long time, like people would come in and be like, what is that smell? What's that smell? And then you have that awkward, I've got to admit that that was me. And I just mocked you for not knowing where beans were. Well, that speaks of how we're different because I would never forget where food was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I think um, I can remember this one time where I literally rocked up. It was first week, first impressions is, you know, what you think about Um and uh, my housemate was like, we were cooking for our other housemates. And so me, me and my fellow housemate, we teamed up with we the A-team. We were getting psyched. It was, we were in the, in the moment. And, uh, and I was going to go nip across to next door just for, just for a chat. Um, and I'd left my housemate cooking some spaghetti in, in a pan. I thought the simplest activity. And I just said, and she's like, well, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? I'm like, oh, it's fine. You know, if it... If it um, you know, if it looks like it's going to boil, just, just take it off the hob. And I had to, like, actually show her how to take it off the hob and put it onto another hob because she didn't quite know. So it's like, just take it off the hob like this, put it onto one. It's not on. Just just do that. If you don't know how to, to turn it down, do that. It's fine. So I went across having a nice little chat, you know, um, came back, literally water everywhere. She's screaming in the kitchen. And I was like... Oh my days! Um, this is an interesting situation. <laughs> so I, you know, swooped in, and I mean, literally, the pinnacle of my my cooking over university was pasta and pesto, staple diet thing. So I was not that's gourmet. Yeah, uh, that, yeah, uh, microwaveable lasagna. Yeah, be lucky. <laughs> I'm not sure I knew what pesto was when I got to uni. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those things where I, I kind of got a pizza cooked in the oven, folded it over, and felt like I was having a calzone. You know I mean? <laughs> it was an absolute dream. <laughs> So me and my mate used to do a weekly shop every week. So we live right next to Tesco, but then we go together every week. And um, we found this 90p lasagna. So I don't know if this was before the horse meat scandal or after. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we found this 90p lasagna. We thought it was the absolute dream. We thought lasagna, like a whole thing for 90p. And then a couple of weeks into like buying this lasagna, like weekly, um, we looked at the nutritional values. I think it was about 45% saturated fat. Um, so I had like a dark red. I've never really seen that dark red anywhere else. But, but um, yeah, this is also before my uh, sustainable food journey. But uh, <laughs> just get that in there. you said slim. <laughs> Didn't used to be. You see, yeah, yeah, yeah. since you graduated, yeah, you've gone right, so right back down. Um, great guys so uh, first up you've just let, let's say for example you've you've started uni and you've moved to a new city or you've moved for work or maybe you're just thinking about moving to a different place what kind of advice and tips would you give someone who's just rocked up in a completely like alien environment um, wants to get stuck in wants to make a difference what would the advice be yeah so I think um, I remember rocking up in Leeds and you just have that moment of going, I don't know where anything is. I don't know, like, if somebody wanted me to go to the shop, I don't even know where the shop is. And I remember just for the first little bit, just 
finding my safe space. So when I moved to Leeds for uni, it was just campus. That's my safe space, and so I'm just going to go there. And when I moved to London for work, it was, I know how to get from my house to my office, and I just did that. And I think one of the things that I definitely learned in London and wish I'd learned when I was a student was that when God calls you to your university or to your workplace, he's not just calling you to that specific little microcosm, like he's called you to a city. And so to expand our dreams a little bit of the impact that we could make, like mm. we could have a massive impact on campus, but we could also have a massive impact on our city. Yeah, it's good. Mm. It also reminds me of a proverb. Am I allowed to do a proverb? You could do, do a proverb. Great, but I just don't know who it's Did by. You? So I'm like, you know, you go, okay, it's a proverb. I don't know who it's by. That's what you're asking. Like, am I allowed to quote the Bible in this <laughs> podcast about faith and justice? I'm like, yeah, Dot, I'm pretty sure that's fine. <laughs> no, it's not even a faith one. It's like an. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a. <laughs> It's not a Bible one. It's not, but it's like one of those like old wise sayings. Okay, well, By how about somebody. you say it, and if it's really bad, I'll just edit it out. It's <laughs> for the best. <laughs> um, no, there's a um, quote, and it says... Um, like someone was trying to make a difference in the world and so they started by thinking about the world and trying to make a difference for the world and then they realised that the world was too big to make a difference in and so they decided instead of the world I'll just make a difference in my nation and then you know tried to make a difference in their nation it was really hard and then just tried to make a difference in their like county and couldn't make a difference in their county and it wasn't until they decided to make a difference in their own life in their own community in their city that they realised that actually the influence that I can have reaches because I'm influencing my city it influences my nation and because it influences my nation it influences the world Mm. and I just thought that was really powerful to think about my small contribution not just to my microcosm can be city nation worldwide impact Mm. so what do you think that looks like practically in terms of you've arrived you're very intentionally trying to make this about city not a campus like what can practically someone do to put themselves in a position where they're stretching themselves in that way I think some of it is um thinking about the kinds of people you intentionally make space for in your life. Um, When I was a student, I only knew students. And when I was a young professional in London, I only knew young professionals. But that's not the real world. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I personally would really encourage people, like, find spaces with people who are different to you because that's what the kingdom of God's going to look like. It's going to look like loads of people who are different to us. I think the other important thing as well, isn't it, is, is finding a church that prioritises what you feel is important. And so there are, there are pre-existing things that you can plug into, that um, there might be a church that's doing a particular type of ministry, whether that is working with homelessness in, in, the, in the place that you're in, or whether that's uh, looking out for the signs of human trafficking, or if there's a particular prayer walking group. Like, these things exist, don't they? Mm-hmm. And so actually, in church family, where you, know, you're, you tend to be wider than just a CU or wider than just a group of Christian friends, I guess that is, is the space to look at. And, um, and it, I guess it's important to then find the right church where you feel at home as mm-hmm. part of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely. And I think as a student, um, I talk about finding a church, you can feel like you've missed the freshest train. So like <laughs> six weeks into uni or however long you think... All right, I missed that. Now, how am I going to meet people? Like, I'm just, yeah, it's been too long. But I think just throw yourself in. So no matter how long you've been at uni or in your new city, like, just throw yourself into whatever you're going to do. Throw yourself into a church. Mm. I think that's good. There's, um, like, through the Fusion website, an app 
there's mm -hmm. there's an opportunity to find all kinds of churches in there and I totally mm -hmm. agree with that sometimes you feel like you've left it like too long and if you were to go to a church all the university students would know each other and you'd be this outsider um, but that's just not the case at all and sometimes we tell ourselves that and then we put it off but there's tools out there to help you find that, mm -hmm. that church and it's important to seek those out I think it's definitely important to sort of um, challenge your comfort zone so like sometimes you might go somewhere and it's easy in freshers because that's, I guess when you first move to uni, it's like, it's easy because that's the culture. Like people just meet each other because no one knows each other. But I guess when you move to a new city, like I've just done now, like you go along to church and it seems like everyone knows each other. But um, you just have to like almost, yeah, just almost revert back to that mentality from freshers going, right, I'm just going to throw myself into it. Um, just, yeah, just be open, try and meet people, try and chat to people. And I think, yeah, you just have to be intentional about that because I think it's sometimes that, I don't know, community doesn't come to you, but you have to seek it out. And it's difficult, but I guess it is what it is. And I think when you move to somewhere new or you're kind of having a new beginning, I think if you're, you're starting out, it's thinking actually what, have, what passions do you have? What things have you almost got in your hands? So like, for example, I absolutely love hosting. Like I'm a, I once had a dinner party in my house of like 18 people. Like I love it. Um, and I love welcoming people around a table. Um, and so when I, you know, I've recently... Um, moved to a new new area and I was thinking actually I don't really necessarily know anyone in my locality and so for me thinking actually how can I creatively create a space where I set the table for other people um, you know how can I create a space in my local community where I can set the table for gathering people around and meeting other people um, and having conversations and there's a there's a passage in um, 1 Thessalonians which I absolutely love and it says for we came just to share not just the gospel, but our lives as well. And I think actually sharing life and for you, if that's kind of going on to like a university campus or, or something, actually, how can I share my life with people? How can I journey with people? How can I create spaces where um, I'm walking alongside people and the, the, the potential for conversation, for journey, for kind of other things kind of turning up, I think is incredibly powerful. It reminds me as well, like, like thinking about how we can engage with the city. I remember this a while ago hearing about a group of students at Queen's University that really w wanted that university to go fair trade. And they turned up, they turned up with, they'd done this massive petition, they've got loads of people involved and um, turned up to their university, uh, what's it called, principal? Is that what it's called? Principal? Vice-Chancellor. Sure. Yeah. Someone really important. <laughs> um, and said, listen, this is what we really want. And that very important person, um, turned around and said, it is so rare that I have students come and ask me for something that's not just about themselves, mm. that you could come here and ask me anything and I'd have said yes. And that university became a fair trade university wow. and that then spurred on like the city to become a fair trade city and think about like the reach and potential of students when we speak up and do something. Mm is bigger than we imagine and not, doesn't need to be limited to our campus because what we demonstrate on campus can influence the city. Mm -hmm. um, so really encourage us not to think small, but to think about our potential reach is massive. One side of student life is the societies. Were you guys part of any societies? Did you throw yourself in there? And what kind of societies were they? Uh, I went to the Tea Society, um, <laughs> which uh, I... Um, Please tell me that's not a thing. You know, the it's genuinely society. a thing. As in, um, like, the 
drink tea or dinner. <laughs> oh, like, One's but, more appealing than the other, I'm I, not going to lie. I thought you were going to say, what, like the drink or the letter? <laughs> no, yeah, no, we're just really all... passionate about the letter after S. <laughs> yeah, all about the letter T. No, uh, the drink. So I uh, just went along and they would have sort of a selection of five different teas. And basically you just sit in a room and chat and drink tea, which... Um, I was more, I'm now a bit more of a coffee convert. Um, sorry, anyone that went to the Tea Society. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I love chatting. So the opportunity to have a hot beverage and to chat to people, I was like, winner, winner, chicken dinner. You know what I mean? So it's And wonderful. that's where the other tea comes in, <laughs> chicken dinner. Chicken tea. Yeah, indeed. And with a set, like, set conversations that you had or did you, was it just turn no, up it just like natter I think it was just sort of like you know what would have made it if I like knitted or something just release my inner <laughs> old lady you know <laughs> I feel I've got buried within me <laughs> I like that it must be a good way to meet people oh great yeah 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 everyone just rocks up different people every week um, but then you have some of the same people come along and you have conversations of how the last week was just over a tea it was great I loved it I joined the um, Cheese and Wine Society. <laughs> like one up on the Tea Society, if there was one there. I know, just, just saying, it's better than a Tea Society. <laughs> I like that. We got, at our church, we do different types of groups, and it started out that we had a, a wine and book club. And like basically, people just turned up for the wine. The, the next term, it was just wine club. Like the book, the book had disappeared. So like it was a rouse, I think, just to to get this signed off by the church leadership of, of yeah. we want to do wine tasting. But we were studying a book that first time. Yeah. Then from then on, it was like this is a great Merlot. What else are we talking about? <laughs> yeah. The thing is that when you're a student, and we carried on like after university, I did a gap year, and. Um, the thing is, though, when you're a student, you can't afford nice wine or nice cheese. <laughs> and so you're in this cheese and wine club eating... Like, Baby Bell. disgusting <laughs> brie with, like, a bottle... Not even a bottle of wine, like a box of wine. But I was like, I think this is the best <laughs> ever. Cheese, wine, bread. What's bad in the world? <laughs> yeah, I got involved in coffee societies. Um, so... I- didn't really mean to when I got to uni, to be honest. I thought that wasn't a thing for me. But um, so I joined the Geography Society. Um, that was good because everyone in my course is quite social. And so they were on events and things. And then went along to Christian Union as well, um, which is cool. And then, yeah, so ended up actually like starting a society um, sort of without meaning to. So um, I sort of got involved with this charity <laughs> called Chasing Zero. So they're like a HIV AIDS charity. And then I was a student ambassador for them. And then just kind of realised that people at uni were just really keen for getting stuck in with things that we were doing. And a lot of people were just interested in social justice in general, like Christians or non-Christians, like everyone was just keen. Um, and so, yeah, in the second year, my friends were like, why don't you just make it into society? And I thought, yeah, like, that would be a good shout. And so we ended up doing that and it worked really well, to be fair. So, um, yeah, so we did things like pub quizzes, um, pub quizzes. Pub quizzes. Anything <laughs> 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 in the pub. Sounds like a theme. Amazing in the pub, and a uh, live music night in the pub, of course. But um, yeah, I think ninety percent of our activities were based in the same pub. But um, it was good fun. And then um, another one called Just Love, which just started last year. So uh, if you haven't heard of that, they're like an organisation that sort of try and integrate faith and justice, and just yeah, just trying to inspire Christian students to pursue this biblical call for social justice. So that was that was good fun or good crack as they say in Scotland, right? That was, that was good crack. So I only got introduced to that term the other day and I've been using it quite a lot. I don't actually know what it means or it in context. You but, could have just offended a lot of people. Yeah, no, I could have. I could have. 
<laughs> but um, yeah, no, so you got involved in a couple of societies in uni. Like, it's just a good way to meet people, I think. Yeah. But yeah, especially like social justice ones. There's so many in uni. Like, if you're passionate about a certain thing or just passionate about justice in general, like, get involved. Um, how, how did you feel other like, students reacted to Chasing Zero as a society in terms of when you were doing those pub quizzes, when you were like around campus? Was there a general, like, yeah, I want to get involved in this? Or was, you know, what was the response like? Yeah, so we got a number of uh, responses. Um, so I remember we did a st store at Freshers and then um, someone, I think, noted us then, but they didn't really come to us to ask about what we do. And so I saw this bloke, but maybe like two months later on, and he said, oh, yeah, you're the AIDS people, aren't you? Or sense of me, I was something like that. <laughs> so we had reactions like that. But, <laughs> at um, least they know who you were. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. At least they know, knew who we were. But um, yeah, like when we said to people, we're like, actually, this is going on. And a lot of people weren't too aware. People didn't really know that HIV and AIDS was still a problem at uni. Um, but when people heard that it was an issue, people really came to get involved. So everyone was like, what can I do? And so, yeah, so we had a lot of signups, I think. Especially like starting a society at uni, we didn't think many people would be keen, but like 40 people signed up with freshers and we thought like, what do we do with this almost because we didn't expect that kind of reaction. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's such a good way to connect um, people at university with issues that are going on around the world because as we were saying earlier about having a campus bubble in your city, you know, there's a campus bubble in a city bubble, in a nation bubble, in a world bubble. Yeah. And so um, people don't often hear the stories day to day of um, people in the other side of the world living in poverty who can't afford the bus ride to the clinic to get the treatment they need for HIV that would ultimately save them. And it's, it's just because they can't afford the bus fare, like there is access to it. Mm. Um, and so actually try, trying to bridge that gap um, and doing it in a way of, of society and community that, it, that introduces people on campus to, to the global issues is, is such like a good approach, a good way to use your time at university, I guess. Uh, yeah, definitely. And um, I think a key thing I noticed actually is that you assume that people are quite aware of what's going on in the world. So you might be like, I don't know, like you might be quite into justice already and you think, right, I know about trafficking, I know about all these things and just assume everyone knows those things. So the moment you go up to someone in uni and say, all right, this is happening in the world, like weirdly, despite everything that's happening with the internet, like globalization, people are still like, no, nah, I had no clue that was going on. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's just a really good way to make people aware of what's going on and to yeah. inspire them. Um, and I, the cool thing or a key thing about people in uni is that these guys are gonna be like, or oh, students today are the leaders of tomorrow. Mm. So you just don't know who you're gonna yeah, inspire. And so you think, right, like now, I might be in the same university as say the next prime minister or something. So trying to get that message along and trying to communicate that is important because you just don't know where it's going to go or what that person's going to do with it. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think we um, hear stories of like that that pop up every now and then and they give you great hopes for people who are like you, Chuma, who harness a, I guess, an atmosphere of wanting to do something and not really knowing the place to do it or not knowing that there maybe isn't a society and waiting for those people who are like catalysts. So we've got people like you, Chuma, and people like Anna, who set up her whole thing, like her passion was around dance and drama, and she wanted to connect that with a like absolute heart's desire to, to see alleviation of poverty. And she set up a um, group that wrote and produced and performed this brilliant drama about sex trafficking and raising awareness and did fundraising. And I think the thing that, um, like when you encounter students and young professionals is there's so much eagerness to contribute 
They're just waiting for people to be catalysts for how. And so I'd really encourage, like, if you're listening and you feel like you've got that little bubble in you of maybe I could catalyse something, like, don't wait until you have got to third year or don't wait till you feel more established in your role at your workplace. Like, crack on, it's time. What about when you finish university, you graduate and you're living in this time where you're, you're trying to get up before 11am in the morning <laughs> and you, you realise that there, there is a need to get up at 8 and go to work and people don't let you just like walk in five minutes late. Uh, but you're also trying to find your calling and you're trying to digest some of that stuff. So what would your uh, advice be to someone who's graduated? Is either kind of got an idea of what they want to do, maybe doesn't have an idea of what they want to do. What, what are the next steps? Well, I mean, I did a little bit of me- meandering, actually, after university. Um, I had quite a few jobs. Um, uh, and I think the first thing to say is actually don't put any expectations on yourself to know exactly on that day of your graduation what you're going to do for the rest mm-hmm. of your life. Mm-hmm. Because, first of all, nothing is set in stone. Like, you're just because you go and join a career does not mean you're in that career for the next a billion years. Um you know, and also after university, it's a perfect time to find out what you're passionate about. If actually over university, you haven't maybe kind of discovered some areas of um, kind of what you're passionate about. There, there are, you know, to go in, into the workplace and give certain things a go and to see what you're passionate about and almost refine actually what what is it that you feel like God has placed within you. And the idea of kind of refining maybe what has already been started. But I think without that, not leaving university with that expectation that that you've got to, you're in that job for life, that your first career is going to be in it to win it kind of thing. Um, but it's okay to kind of, um, you know, you're, it's okay to kind of take a bit more of a windy path um, because actually the things you learn as well in every, di- like every different job I've had after uni- university, I've learned so much about myself um, and about my passion. So nothing is also wasted. God doesn't waste anything. Um, so yeah, I think probably those, those two things that God doesn't waste anything you don't have to know, I think are some of the key things. I found that transition um, into the workplace probably one of the most formative um, sections of time in my life. I think because you, well, not you, maybe just me. (laughs) I just had this glorious picture of what the workplace would look like and I was going to get to like fulfill my calling and I was going to get to do all these things and then it turned out I basically did admin (laughs) loads and loads of it which if you are like if you have the gift of administration praise the lord I don't so it was really hard for me but I think that period of time allowed me to invest not just in like finding a job I love, but in the kind of person that I wanted to be as mm-hmm. an adult. Because all of a sudden the church doesn't give you all the scaffolding that you had before and you might be in a different city. Like I'd left Leeds and gone to London. I didn't have that scaffolding of friends and support network. And all of a sudden you are potentially on your own in a city and trying to work out like, who am I? And the best way to do the who am I bit is obviously get plugged into a church, but also start some habits in your life that help you become that person that you want to be. So think about, like, you're just about to get your first paycheck. Like, what are the habits you want to invest in that? You're about to join a church that potentially, like, you could be in this city for a very long time. (laughs) Like, what habits do you want to invest in with your church community? And one of the best things that um, moving to London... I joined a church that was really, really super about community. And one of the habits that we started was to do a street party on my street every Christmas. 
And I was like, this is massive and it's crazy. But in London, where community's really hard, people loved it. We just did mince pies and sang carols. And I have done it every year since I left university. And I'm getting on a bit now, so it's a lot of years. But think about in that first, like, first getting a job, what habits, what kind of person do you want to be? Yeah, I'll just pick up on and the habits you're talking about, because, well, I just finished uni and started working at Tierfund, actually. So moving into that student to, like, young professional kind of, like, yeah, so that kind of transition. But, um, yeah, so I heard someone speaking, and they said that, actually, you develop um, your habits or, yeah, like, patterns for the rest of your life between 18 and 25. And so that, like, these years are really, like, formative years for the rest of your life. So habits that you pick up now and rhythms that you pick up now, like, will stay with you for the rest of your life. And so moving somewhere like this, and I thought said, like, yeah, like, getting your first, like, paycheck, you think, right, like, now I've got more money than I've ever had before in my student days. <laughs> like, That's a lot of lasagnas that you can buy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I started calculating all the lasagnas. <laughs> and, uh, but then it's, like, actually thinking, like, actually, I can set rhythms now in motion that will stay with me for the rest of my life. So, like, yeah, I definitely agree with what you're saying. Like, it's uh, a really formative time. And I'm still doing that. I haven't done that yet. But just trying to figure out, like, good rhythms to set in place and good habits to set in place. Yeah, it's really good. I think, for me... I was faced with lots of choice after university because I did one of those degrees that's got a really long name and you can kind of make it anything that you want to. Um, and so I had to decide what I want to do. And sometimes that amount of choice can cripple you and cripple your decision making. And I uh, heard something the other day that was basically about just grasping the moment and pursuing something and not worrying about if you're missing out on something else. Because ultimately, if you see a green light, just keep pursuing it until it's turns red and sometimes God will take you in a certain direction to teach you something or to help you to grow in a certain area and actually like James you were saying it, it kind of contributes it's, you don't have to say I'm going to be this um, you don't have to follow that path and then there's no other alternatives mm. uh, God's going to guide you in that but equally if you have three paths in front of you and you uh, perhaps don't mind following them all and they're all something that you're interested in, just give one of them a shot and God will direct you. And if you keep going and you keep enjoying that path and, and the doors keep opening, then, then great. If a door shuts, then God's saying, maybe not this one, maybe there's something else. So sometimes it's just about saying, okay, Mark, I'm faced with all these options. Let's just start pursuing them and seeing what God does. So yeah, no, I completely agree with you, Dan. I think, yeah, sometimes we're trying to figure out, like, God, what do you want for us after uni? Um, you think, or oh, after whatever point of life, you think, where should I go next? And so, like, we have this view, actually, that actually God wants the complete opposite to what we want. And so, <laughs> it's so, yeah, so we always think, right, if I want to go to Spain, like, God definitely wants me to move to Iceland. <laughs> but, like, sometimes God might be saying, yeah, go, go to Spain. And actually, if you go to Spain and, like, he's saying, like, if you get a red light after moving there, then maybe that's not the thing. Maybe you should go somewhere else. But actually, I think what God wants for us um, sometimes actually is really linked to what we, our desires and our passions as well. But then, yeah, it just reminds me actually that it is, like, we have such, like, we're so privileged to, like, even choose what we want to do. Yeah. So, yeah, I remember um, a couple of months ago, actually, in uni, um, we had this trip to Tanzania and went to a school. And it was a primary school, actually. So we had an opportunity to ask the students their questions, and they had a, uh, an opportunity to ask us questions in return. So I'll never forget this question that my friend asked. He said, um, what do you guys want to be when you're older? And so they said just normal things like, I want to be a teacher, I want to be a doctor, I want to be an engineer. And I'll never forget the, the look of disbelief in their teacher's face, just because she understood the situation. So she understood almost the gravity of the situation. And she thought, well, 
I know that where these kids are growing up, they probably won't have the chance to become a teacher or a doctor, an engineer, just because they simply won't be able to afford it. And it just made me think like, what is it? Like, how is it fair that these guys, just because of the location of their birth, don't have the same chances and opportunities to choose as we do? And um, yeah, so it's crazy. Like now, I just reminded that we're chatting about, yeah, like what am I gonna do? All these different uh, opportunities and things that we have to do and choices that we can make whilst on the other side of the world, or not even on the other side of the world, like maybe two, three hours flight away, um, that there are people who don't have the same opportunities and, ch- and chances as we do. Yeah, I think that really helps put it in perspective and, and make us um, understand that we are privileged in that situation and that actually that spurs us on to just do something <laughs> and helps with that, when, that indecision. Yeah. We're like, oh yeah, we've got this luxury of choice. Mm. Um, maybe us deciding what we want to do might one day end up helping people like Peter in that school uh, because we can make a difference to the people in, uh, who are living on the other side of the world who are facing those issues, who have less opportunity and less privilege than we do. And I think it stirs such um, gratitude of, I am so lucky that I happen to be in a country where education you know, is provided, but thinking about like, well, therefore, what do I use it for? Mm-hmm. I have ability to be so informed about what's going on in the world because I can read and I can write and so I can follow like, what's going on in BBC News and I can be aware of what's going on in the world and I can use my education to be like, meaningfully part of our global community. And so what does that mean for like how I pray Mm. and if I'm thinking about being present on my campus or workplace and city and nation and world like how does it impact how I pray and how does it impact my first paycheck and how does it impact where I shop and where I don't shop because I am lucky to have education and ability to use it for a big good. And I think as as well it's that kind of actually our kind of our justice journey doesn't finish when we when we graduate it's Mm -hmm. it's we want to see business leaders who are raised up who are going to do business in a different way that are going to impact those people like positively impact our global family like politicians that are going to make those decisions in the board like in the kind of I was going to say the boardroom but you don't really have a boardroom in the politician (laughs) whatever the room is where the politicians (laughs) make the decisions the the politics room the the politics room (laughs) but we need we need people to start to to kind of grow in to be politicians that are going to make those decisions that are going to impact and actually it's 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 our justice journey influences is part of that holistic discipleship that all of life um, as worship that actually wherever we go whatever job we do it's still we can still make it a part of our kind of our workplace it doesn't have to be just leave it in the society space that actually our workplace can also kind of impact our global family as well great I think that's a brilliant place to end guys thank you for joining us thank you everyone for downloading the podcast you can subscribe if you've enjoyed this you can check us out on social media at we are tear fund and we'll see you next time